while you remain standing, open your Bible. I hope you have a King James Bible. And you say, what's, what's the big deal about that? If you come to the Anchor Baptist Church, we will teach you historically and factually why the King James Bible is the Word of God. Matthew chapter number 23. Matthew, New Testament, first book, Matthew, then turn to chapter number 23. Matthew chapter number 23. Matthew chapter 23. Everybody helping somebody with a Bible or something? Okay, wonderful. Matthew chapter number 23. Drop down once you found that chapter to verse number 25. Verse number 25. Matthew 23, verse 25. I will read out loud if you'll follow along with me silently, but we'll read this together. Verse 25, Matthew 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within ye are full of extortion and excess. Verse 26. Thou blind Pharisees, clean first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Father, thank you for the Bible. Lord, so many things, especially in our day and age, that you said you did not consider society. You simply gave us the truth. Help us to realize though society has changed, and boy has it changed, your word does not. You said heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. So if there's anything consistent that we can rely upon, it would be the word of God. I know sometimes it chafes us, sometimes it points us out, sometimes it makes us feel judged or guilty, but that would be good if we react properly to that, for you are always right, no matter what we think or been taught. Let God be true and every man a liar is what you said. So I ask you this morning, Lord, please take this message. May it not just be preached or presented, but it would be done with power from on high. Lord, it doesn't make any difference what people think of me but it will make a whole lot of difference what they think of you. So I ask you to please bless this morning. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. jail that night still Paul and Silas would not be dismayed they said it's time to lift our voice sing praises to the Lord let's prove that we will trust him come what may God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crashing round you, when the fiery darts surround you, when despair is all you 
wisest man has spoken and says your circumstances as hopeless as can be. That's when God wants to hear you sing. He wants to hear our praise on our cheerful days when the pleasant times outweigh the bad by far but when suffering comes along and we still sing him songs that is when we bless the father's heart god wants to hear you round you when the fiery darts surround you when despair is all you see God wants to hear your voice when the wisest man is spoken and says your circumstances as hopeless as can be that's when God wants to hear you sing. God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crashing round you, when the fiery darts surround you, when despair is all you see. God wants to hear your and says your circumstances as hopeless as can be. That's when God wants to hear you sing. God wants to hear you deserved every bit of it. Appreciate that. Matthew chapter number 23, please, if you'll turn there again. I want you to underline a couple of things if you write in your Bible. I do. Uh, the Bible is not meant to just be carried. It's meant to be used. And so you may have a shiny new Bible. I always like getting a new Bible. First thing I do is open up uh, the Bible and I smell it. Isn't that weird? Uh, it's not a scratch and sniff. I just, the, the smell of it, the leather and the new print and everything, it just, I just like it. I, I always get a new Bible. I open up my gullet kit. Well, this one's kind of been used a little bit, uh, but I, I write my Bible. Uh, I, I want to put things in there. I'm, God showed me that I'm supposed to remember. Somebody taught me, and I don't want to forget it. So the next time I read through there, I go, that's right. I remember that part right there. And so Matthew chapter number 23, starting in verse number 25, I want you to underline a couple of things. Look, look in verse number 25, and right down there near the end, it says, but within, you see that? Once you scribes and Pharisees, for ye make clean the outward of the cup and the platter, but within, you see that? Could, would you underline that as, as a remembrance for me, please? And then look at verse number 26. We see it again. 
Thou blind Pharisees, clean up first that which is within. You see that? Go down to verse number 26. Thou blind Pharisees, clean up first that which is, there it is again, within. Go down to verse number 28. Verse, I'm sorry, verse number 27. Uh, and here we see here, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, uh, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but are within. There it is again. And then verse number 28 now. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within. And he goes on from there. My wife's uh, grandmother uh, was a very, very godly lady. Uh, when I met her, she was already up in years. Uh, she had, where's my wife? Um, six, six, she raised six children? Eight, eight children? No wonder she died early. Um, eight children. And um, when we met her, she was uh, full of life, uh, determined woman, godly, loved the Lord, just loved the Lord. And uh, most of her life, up until the last few months of her life, picture of health. Just the picture of hell. Uh, jovial, great attitude, loved the Lord, went to church all the time, couldn't wait to tell people about Jesus, and, and just loved doing that all the time. Strong, determined, full of absolute character. Now, all of us, as we get older, get aches and pains. Ask me how I know, because I asked Dan back there. Uh, and, and we find out that everybody does. I don't care what shape you're in. When you get older, fingers start pointing in the wrong direction. See that right there? Okay, see that? There you go. So when I'm doing this, I'm pointing to Mrs. Weaver. <laughs> See? And uh, it, it happens. It happens to everybody as you get older. I hate to burst your bubble, but you're not living forever down here. I don't care what doctors find out. Right. Not going to happen. The Bible said it is appointed unto man once to die. Right. And now after that, the judgment. So you're not going to just die and call it quits. There's a judgment after that. But that's another subject. We'll talk about that. One day, she was taken to the hospital up in, in years. She was taken to the hospital where it was diagnosed that she has cancer, I think brain cancer, correct, honey? I can't hear you. I, honey, I've got... Don't yell at me, honey. Just talk to me. <laughs> Though on the outside, on the outside, listen to me now, she looked the picture of health. She was dying from within. They didn't know that until somebody pointed that out. She thought everything was fine. Just had some aches and pains, you know, and, uh, oh, that hurt a little bit, and, you know, like that. She had no idea what was going on inside of her. Years ago uh, on this property, this whole property is covered with trees and garbage and trash and so on and so forth, but we used to have two gigantic cottonwood trees out here. One of them uh, that's over there where the buses are now, there used to be a gigantic cottonwood tree over there. It's at least 160, 180 feet tall. It's a big old honking. Uh, tree, and I mean, it was it, it was like here's the way you get it at the bottom, like this, and you couldn't get around it. As you go up, uh, they had branches coming out uh, from the trunk. Some of them were this big around from the trunk and then going out. And one day, right after church on a Sunday night, it showed up on Monday, and my neighbor who used to be over here said, I, I pulled in, I'm looking at this big limb, fell on the ground, and it busted all to pieces, and I mean, it, it must have fallen from about, I don't know, 75 feet and hit the ground. Wham! Like that. And he came over and he said, uh, did you hear that last night? I said, well, no. And he said, it was like a dynamite going off. 
and I'm looking at this tree, this great big old limb, and it's from here all the way out that way. And I mean, the, 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 the main part of it that hit the trunk was about that big around. And there it was on the ground. And my mind was thinking, what in the world would cause such a thing? Over the decades of time, it had been hit by lightning two or three times. It had gone through famine, severe winters, bitter cold winters. You'd think things would freeze. I know I would, but things would freeze to death by being out in some of these winters. But trees don't do that. So what in the world would take this thing out like that? So I'm looking at this, and I got a little closer, and here's what I saw. I saw ants about that big, black carpenter ants, thousands of them, had been eating away at the inside for only God knows how long. So a tree that's bigger around than this was being eaten up. On the outside still had these huge leaves, a cottonwood tree, you know what the leaves look like, just great shade trees. And I mean, it was gigantic. And you'd look at this, and you could see where lightning would hit it on this side and just strip it of everything, and it would just go around and just keep growing. And it was near the creek, so it had water most of the time, and it was just growing like crazy. And you wonder to yourself, what brought that thing down? It wasn't the cold. It wasn't the wind. It wasn't the tornadoes. It wasn't the lightning. It wasn't the freezing cold. It wasn't any of that. It was a little ant. And it was dying from the inside. This is the same thing that we have here. Somewhere back in Israel's history, they had known God in a very real way. They had known God in a very real way. And down in verse in chapter number 23, these are the descendants of Abraham, of those people who knew God way back in the day of Abraham and Moses and way back then. These are those same descendants. And what we see here is they're still performing all their religious duties. Listen to me carefully. They're still performing all of their religious duties. They're going about all the time. They're paying their tithes. Many of them fast twice in a week, which would be real hard for Americans to do. Uh, they prayed long prayers. They went to the temple when they were supposed to. They stayed away from wicked people and wicked things. And, and they, they won other people to their religion. I mean, they were doing everything that they've always been taught to do, everything from way back in that day all the way up. Clear into the New Testament, they were still doing what they had been taught to do for decades and decades and decades. And yet Jesus said of them, look in verse 23. In verse 23, the first part there, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees. Wow. Wait a minute. These people are, uh, go to church, if you will, synagogue. They paid tithes. That'll do it right there, right? They fast. They're in church where they're supposed to be. They get other people to join in with them because that's what they were taught to do. Look, at they called them Jesus. Jesus did, called them a hypocrite. It should be in red in your Bible if you have a red letter edition. In verse 23, he's also basically saying that you're not really doing right at all. Now, hold on a second. These are religious people. These are, if you would, church-going people. These folks give money to the church. These people here tell other people about their... Okay, I'm, I'm going from Jewish to, to us. You, you follow me? Okay, so there we go. Look down at verse 24, the first part. He's not done with them. He calls them blind guides. They say, a blind guide, what can they do? Lead other people into a ditch. Blind guides lead other people into trouble. Jesus said they're a blind guide. Look at verse 25, the first part. Full of extortion. Boy, this is getting bad. And excess. Look at verse 27, the second part there. Within, full of dead men's bones and all inside. Jesus said, look, let me just help you guys out. 
inside of you is you're nothing but dead and all uncleanness. Look at verse 28, the second part. Within, you are full of hypocrisies and iniquity. Now, these are churchgoers, if you would. These are people that, and by the way, they're trying their very best to show from the outside, don't we look good? See my tie right? Y'all see my tie? Is, it, is, it, is, my, is my anchor straight? Pocket flaps on the outside? I look good? That's all that matters, right? I'm in church. I'm giving tithes and offerings this morning. It, it, everything's good then, Right? Jesus knew these men appeared righteous. He knew that yet inwardly they were dead. That's what a sepulcher is. That's what you bury people in. He said, you know what's inside of there? Deadness. That's what's inside of you. When a person gets saved, life begins on the inside. A lot of people are trying to change their life out here, hoping that they'll go to heaven. That's the same thing as having a casket you paint all white. Inside is a dead person. There's no life there. It just looks better. By the way, you ever notice how we do uh, graves and funerals that way anymore? I've done a lot of funerals and stuff. And what they do, they take you out. They don't let you see digging the ditch. They, they don't want you to see that part. It's not a ditch, the grave. They don't want to see you. Uh, they don't want you to see the mound of dirt. They don't put artificial grass around it. They don't want you to think and have bad thoughts. They don't want to put flowers everywhere. They have made death seem like it's not that bad. Tell the person in the box that. They're not here anymore. So these people on the outside, by the way, funerals costing ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000? Are you kidding me? What in the world costs? You never notice how much it costs to get in this world and how much it costs to get out of this world. Isn't that ridiculous? You go broke just entering in and exiting the whole thing. So watch what happens here. Jesus begins to tell them that they're dying from inside. The outside, look, there is no question about what you are. The Pharisees were the religious people of the day. They were doing everything right. They, they not only tried their best to keep the law of Moses, they added hundreds of laws to the law of Moses. You won't believe this one. They didn't believe in killing anything. So those, the real good Pharisees, they would actually take their long robes and before they would step, they would wave their robe like this. You know why? Anybody know why? They don't want to step on any bugs and be guilty of murder. You talk about a woke generation. They had one back there. So what happens here is simply this. All of these men, all that they were concerned about was the outside. Jesus looked at them and said, outside's pretty good. But inside, you're full of dead men's bones, extortion, and on and on and on. These men now, let me help you understand something, they weren't saved, okay? But it helps to illustrate what I'm trying to tell you this morning. They were not, they were not saved. These were Pharisees. They did not know Jesus Christ. And on the inside, Jesus said, look, you're trying to make all this look real good, but inside, you're just as dead as dead can be. Not only that, there's all kinds of extortion and iniquity and all kinds of things going on inside of you that nobody can see. But Jesus saw it, didn't he? And he tried to point that out to them. By the way, he wasn't trying to be mean. He was trying to let them know, look, there's no sense hiding this. That doesn't mean go ahead and do what you want to. He's saying quit lying to yourself and everybody else. I know what you're made of. So be honest with me. Be honest with Jesus Christ. So what happened here is this. They're trying their best on the outside to make it appear clean and white and beautiful and acceptable when in reality they were dying just like that tree. They were dying just like my wife's grandmother. Nobody even knew it until 
it happen. I'm under the impression that many in our world and in Christianity are dying from within. Why do I say that? Now, I'm, seven, I'm over 71 years old. And I know you thought 35 was on. Okay, I got it. 71 years old. I've been around a long time. I have been saved over 51 years. That's a long time. For those you went to public school, that's over five decades. You have to explain this to public school kids. Anyway, so first of all, I want to talk to you about our nation is dying from within. Our nation is dying from within. I don't think it takes an Einstein to figure this out. We're in trouble in America. We are in trouble. There was a time when no matter where you went in the world, people had good things to say about America. You may not be old enough to, to know that, and maybe when you went to school they didn't teach this, but I grew up, I was born in 1952. I know that's like, yeah, that's a long time ago. But I remember even as a little kid, saved or not, you don't talk bad about America. It's time to pledge allegiance. You're going to stand up. My mom slapped me crazy for not doing stuff like that. Stand up. What do you think you're doing, boy? She'd let me have it. And she'd tell you. And so you'd always have to, there was always something good people said about I don't care where you went in the world. Everybody wanted to be here for right reasons. Everybody thought America was great. Everybody wanted to be a part of it. And those that were born here, saved or not, thought America was the greatest country in all the world, no matter where you went. We not only engrave Bible scriptures on our government bill, on our, can you believe it? Trying to stop Christianity in America, and they've got verses engraved upon government buildings. You go to the Supreme Court, and right above there, you'll see Moses sitting there etched on the stone with tablets in his hand, and you'll see these other men sitting there looking at him. There's a reason they did that, because the law of God was what was important when America got started. But they don't teach this in school anymore. Have you ever been to D.C.? He's a bunch of old buildings. Oh, no, no, no. It's called history, and it'll tell you where you're at from where you started. And so this is what we see, not only engraved upon buildings, but also our public schools. In our textbooks, not anymore, laws were derived, our laws were derived from the Bible. And even on our money, we did not fail to say, to God be the glory. Right. We, the people, were more concerned with God and righteousness back then and than making a living, getting money, getting educated, and doing pretty much my rights and what I have a right to. God was lifted up. God, I remember when I was a little kid, we used to go up to Broadway, Ohio. I'm not exactly sure where that is. And we would go up there. My cousins lived up there, 10 boys, two girls. I loved going there. And uh, we'd go, and they would always do this on Memorial Day. We'd, everybody go down the graveyard. They'd have a big parade. And see, like this, why would you do that? Memorial Day? Get it? Okay, Veterans Memorial? Okay, got it. And so this is when people died. So you go down to the graveyard and you would honor those who helped fight for America. Amen. Now we're bored with that. You know what we do on days like that? We drink, we party, we go to the swimming pool. We do. Nobody's remembering these people anymore. That made the country, look at me, I'm not upset with you. You haven't been taught right, most of you. America that you have right now is not the America I grew up with. The America you have right now have been taught most of it is a deception and a lie. You've been lied to about a whole lot of things. God was lifted up. Righteousness was practiced and God blessed America. God blessed America. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her. You understand? This way people used to sing. Not just Kate Smith. People used to sing this way and they would stand with a hand over their heart. 
and they would look up towards heaven or towards the flag. Yeah. Nobody, nobody would burn a flag. Yeah. You say, I have a right to burn a flag if I want to. Why do you want to? Why? You don't have a right in America to do what you want. You have a right in America to do what you should. Amen. That's what makes America great. In Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalteth a nation. Yes. Lift it up. But sin is a reproach to any people. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. Go to Isaiah chapter number 1. Isaiah chapter number 1. It's a big book in the Old Testament. You keep flipping back that way, you'll run right into it. Isaiah chapter number 1. I want you to look at verse number 4 through 6. God gave Isaiah a vision of his nation, the children of Israel. It wasn't good. Watch what he says starting in verse number 4 of chapter number 1 of the book of Isaiah. All sinful nation. I know we're not Jewish and this isn't Israel. I got it. I'll talk to you in a minute. All sinful nation, people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken anymore? Why, why do you keep doing this? Ye will revolt more, revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Isaiah from God is saying, look at your nation as viewing a person. They're sick. I mean, there's not a healthy person. There's not a healthy part in there anymore. When he says the head to the bottom of the foot, he's not talking about what's wrong with the feet or the head. He's saying this is how bad Israel's getting. There's not a healthy spot on them anymore. It's all gone bad. I don't care how high you go or how low you go. It's sick. It's hurting. Everything about it is bad. They continue, though, to proceed downward while they were projecting to everybody how great Israel was. Sounds like America to me. In verse number four, the Bible said they've gone away backward. How would you know you're going backward until you know where you're supposed to be? Here, ready? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. So if I know where America and people were supposed to be with God, but if you get rid of this, where's your mile marker? Where's the place you started? How far have we drifted? How far have we gone? Yeah. Now we have every man's opinion. Well, this is what I think. Well, this is what I've been taught. There is, there is a plumb line right here. Y'all know what a plumb line is? We're talking yeah. old, now they use lasers, but they used to use plumb line. Yeah, anybody? Okay. Oh, I'm impressed. Wonderful. Uh, all you new agers, you don't know. You snowflakes, you don't know anything. A plumb line had, a, had like a bob on the bottom of it, normally with a point, and you put it on a string, and it can't help but go straight. All right? The weight was just to hold the string straight. But you put it like on the edge of a building and right at the top and you put it right there. And as it went down, if the building was crooked, you could absolutely tell by looking at it. This is a plumb line. This is what's straight. This is what shows everybody and everything in this world how we lean and how far we've gone. You understand? Oh, by the way, the Bible calls it a mirror. So when you're reading the Bible, you don't look in the mirror in the morning to look at somebody else. You look in the mirror in the morning to look at you. Now, whether you like what you see or not, that's you, okay? So you can make up stuff in your mind. The Bible said you look in the mirror of God's word and you walk away and forget what manner of man you were. 
God said, this is what you really are. And you just walk away like in the mirror in the morning, right? You got eye boogers, hair's not quite calm. Sorry, you bald head guys. Uh, hair not quite parted, right? Uh, and so you got all this going and you walk away and you actually forget what you look like. The mirror doesn't lie. It's simply a reflection of the true. This is what the Bible tries to do. Israel got to the place that they didn't want to hear this anymore. They projecting the idea that all is right and we're doing what's right and that's all that matters and yet we come to the Lord and he says, yeah, you look good on the outside. You ever notice how concerned we are about how we look? I got, uh, Jakai, come up here. When Jakai first started coming here, he was little. Come here. Yeah, see him stand up? Yeah, he loves to do this with me. So when he came here, I don't know, where's mom? He, he was like, how tall were you? How many years ago? Uh, seven. Seven years ago. So he, he's just little. Now, I noticed as he got bigger, he would look like this at me. Then he's looking like this at me. Now he goes like this to me. And here's what I do. Stop looking down on me. What's the matter with you? There you go. Go ahead and say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we had to find out. You ever notice how concerned we are with the outside? And by the way, I'm not saying don't. But we should be more concerned about the inside than just the outside. But we in our America, I'm just talking about America, we're very concerned about what we project from here. That's okay to a point. But we seem to be not concerned at all about what's going on in here. And God, when he met these people, these good religious tithing, been baptized, go to church, get other people to go, he never mentioned that at all other than, you think that's what's going to do it, don't you? He said, but inside, you're full of dead men's bones, deceit, iniquity, you're blind, you can't see, you're just like a whited uh, casket inside, just a dead person in there. And Jesus was trying to point them out, quit hiding what you really are by making all this look right. Is this not what we, thank you, is this not what we do? You say, well, preacher, uh, who was it this morning? Somebody was talking to me, said, I said, oh, you. I said, well, you just got your T-shirt on. Here's what he said. Well, you got a whole suit on. Okay. So, see, we notice, right? We notice. You know what you can't notice? Life for a Christian starts in here. You can't see that, okay? Then the Bible says work out your salvation. It doesn't say you get salvation by working. It's saying now that you have it in here, get it out that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So this should be matching this. If it's not, this is just something to look at. Other than that, it doesn't carry a whole lot. Our nation is in a sinful mess. Yet we try to project to the whole world and to people in America that all is well. We project to the rest of the world, and I think America is starting to believe it, that we really are a godly nation. I don't know how much you travel. I don't know how much you read. I don't know what you're aware of. But please forgive me for saying this. I don't think America is anymore. I think we inherited a country that was blessed by God. I think your generation is living off of what those previous brought to America and gave to you. We don't know how to use it. We don't know how to spend it. We don't know how to promote it. We don't know how to give it to the next generation. We're doing it just like a lot of people come from other countries. We come here for the money and the benefits, and we could really care less, for the most part, what goes on in America. 
trouble is we have Americans doing that now. Something is wrong, drastically wrong. You see, America started off, we believe God still was a God-fearing nation, that this is a God-fearing nation. But we know full well in America we are being overrun by homosexuals. You say, are you allowed to say that? Well, really, it's not a biblical word, so let's use the biblical word, sodomy. That's a biblical word. You're shell-shocked. Sodomy is a Bible word, and the Bible calls it an abomination. But in America, we have AIDS. You don't hear about that anymore. It's still ongoing. What do you think monkeypox is? They're trying to make you think like it's it's your heterosexual. Your it's not. It started with homosexuals again. But folks, look, they're out of control in sin, and they're passing it on to everybody. And we just act like we're so broad-minded, everything's okay. And the whole world's looking at us like we're sick from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. Illiteracy is running wild. Crime is running wild. Prejudice is running wild. Rebellion, gangs, disease, deceit, rape, abortion, violence, ungodliness. Human humanistic philosophy is being vomited upon our children. And we don't. I was talking to a man the other day, and he said, "My kids were good kids until they came back from public school one day, and all of a sudden they're communists." You think I'm kidding you? You have no idea what they're teaching in school. And we don't have schools of higher learning. We have schools of lower learning. You start off as this cute, little, innocent child and went downhill from there the older you got. You say, that's not very nice. I know it. Public schools shouldn't be doing that. All kinds of adultery. Well, how do you know you love somebody if you don't live with them for a while? That's called sin. And now in America, we'll defend that. There was a day when you talked about divorce or living together and the church would amen. Now, because we know somebody that's a homosexual or living together or a pervert or whatever the case is, we're afraid to amen. That's why you guys won't amen because your best friend or relative falls into this category. And what are you supposed to say? I didn't say you hate them, but amen means that's right or so be it. That's all it means. doesn't mean you're doing it. It just means because if it was, we wouldn't have many amens. We, we, we act on the outside that all is all right in America. We do. We project a great image. But the fact is America is dying from within. I do not believe that America will be ever overthrown by a country outside. I, I, just, I, just, I just can't, unless we keep training military the way we are. But the fact of the matter is if they'll just be patient, if other countries will be patient, we're dying from within. One day they can just walk in and take over. We're dying from within. Folks, listen to me. You're America. You say, I'm doing fine. <laughs> you ever notice how selfish we get? Well, I live in a good neighborhood. It's coming to a theater near you. Oh, yeah. Where are you going to send your kids to school? Where do you go for health? Government's taking over your life. I know you don't believe this, but I've been at this a long, long time. Christianity is under attack and has been for quite some time. There are more people killed that are called Christian in our modern day than ever before in history, yes. ever. You say, when did all this start? It didn't just start. It's been going on forever. And America keeps acting as though some of our best uh, partners in the world, the UN, <laughs> if nations of, of the world will be patient, they do not need to fight. They can just walk in and take over because we're dying from within. Let me say this too. I have to hurry. Our churches in America are dying from within. Our churches in America are dying within. When churches were first being formed, Christ's disciple, we talked about this in Sunday school, you should have been there, talked about power 
and talked about promise. God gave power and God made promise. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, the Bible said he's talking to Peter up on this rock, I will build my church. That was the power. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That was the promise. God said, I'm making you a promise right now. I'm the power that will build the church. And the promise I'm making you, hell itself cannot stop you from going forward. Now look what's happening to churches, including our church. We're all backing up and all of a sudden we're wanting to play it safe because we don't want to lose everything we have. Who in the world gave you everything you have? This church is the bride of Christ. The Bible said that the, it, God is the head of, and then he says, the church. The local church is God's body. And because of that, when you withhold tithes and offerings, the Bible said you're robbing God. Not only that, but the local church is the pillar and ground of the truth. This is what God, Jesus Christ and Paul and the apostles gave their life for is for local churches. And here's what we've decided. Nah, I don't know. I don't think I need to go. And yet we want everybody to think we have a godly nation based upon our appearance. Early churches had power. They preached with power. They lived fearlessly. fearlessly. Souls were saved. Everywhere they went, they were witnessing to people. Everywhere they went there. When's the last time you passed out a track? You don't even have any, do you? It's like we're down in Ghana and two girls came out of a college and I said, how you doing, girls? Good. By the way, they're very polite. Very polite down there. Very polite. Uh, they'll open it. Can I talk to you a minute? They'll just open the door. And you can go and talk to them for an hour if you want. That's not quite like it is around here. And so we'd walk in, and these two girls came out from the college there. You'll see that tonight. I know what you're thinking, college, but you need to be here for this. And uh, I said, well, let me ask you a question. If you died right now, would you go to heaven? Oh, yes. I said, wow, you sound pretty positive about that. I said, let's assume that we're best of friends, and I tell you I want to go to heaven. Please tell me how I can get there. What would you tell me? You, you seem to know that you're gone, so can you tell me? First thing, well, you got to keep the Ten Commandments. I said, oh, wow. Um, quote the, I want to make sure I keep them, so I want you to quote them for me in detail, okay, because I want to do everything right. Quote the whole thing. Uh, well, let me see. They, they named Parsley three. And I said, I, I don't understand. In order to get to heaven, you told me you have to keep the Ten Commandments. You don't even know what they are. I said, okay, skip all that. You don't, you're not good at memorizing. Can you show me in the Bible where they're at? I'll read them for myself. Hand them my Bible. Uh, well, no, we can't. I said, come on, girls. Somebody told you that's what it was. But you don't know, do you? Nope. So then I got to talking to them, one to Christ, because yeah. well, the truth is yeah. what makes you free. You have to understand, you're not saved because you do good things. You are not saved because you, uh, anyway, we'll get, we'll get into work salvation at another time. They had power and boldness. In Acts chapter 4, verse number 33, the Bible said, and with great power, great power, with great power, witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's miraculous ability in the lives of people. Here's what we think right living is. Go to church on Sunday. Sunday morning. I'm preaching once this word time. I don't like it. Whatever. Okay, there's my tithe. I did my part. That's great power. That's outward. We just want, don't want to look bad in front of other people. Stop and think about it. Why did you come here this morning? Right? You said, because it's right. That's true. Why? 
You say, because the Bible says. That's true. Why? Why? Why are you here? Just to get more knowledge? By the way, that started in the garden. Eve changed her walk with God for more knowledge. And it hasn't stopped since then. I would say in the last days, knowledge shall be increased. Not knowledge of the Bible, just knowledge, period. And then the Bible says in, in, in 1 Corinthians, knowledge puffeth up. It gives you the big head. Do you know where I went to school? Well, to be honest with you, I really don't care. Does that sound, does that sound like I'm slapping at you? I said, all the money that I put into that. Well, okay, pay for it. Somebody needs to bail me out. and No, they don't. Okay, I, I hate to do that. Should I do it? Yeah, okay. Biden is just this side of. My mom, we weren't saved. We were heathen. We were Philistines when we were growing up. Now, my sister's not here. And uh, my mom would say this. You broke that, you pay for it. Then she slapped me. My mom was always slapping me. Bah, slapped me in the head. And she said, you pay for it. Okay, when you're around adults, you want to know where I got this from? My mom, four foot two. She'd slap a snot out of you. And she'd go like, you shut up when I'm around. I don't think my mom liked kids. You know the old saying, children should not be heard? My mom thought children should not be seen or heard. And she'd say, you're going outside, you're going to stay. I often wonder if she meant like forever. And so she said like, it, you're not running in and out. Now kids, wham, 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 in and out, flies everywhere. And mom's just so engrossed in something else. My mom, I'm telling you, she would, my mom get me up in the middle of the night to fold my underwear. I told you before I went to work, I want those, who folds underwear? Seriously, you wad them up and throw them in the drawer, right? Tie, that's enough. Okay, so that's the way I was, please understand, my mom wasn't even saved. We didn't go to church. We didn't pray over food. And my mom still had certain things that she just said, society, it was right about it, and you're going to do it. Amen. We're Christians. We're in church. You think we'd want to do it right? Amen. Well, if you're going to be a Christian, Christianity starts in here, not out here. Amen. But what you have in here should be worked out so people could see it and go, you've got to be a Christian, aren't you? Look, there are people out in the world, businessmen that I know, that live better and have a better outward example than some Christians I know. Does that mean they're saved? No. They love their children better than some Christians I know. They have a better marriage than some Christians I know. Like these guys. But inside, they're dead. And this is what's happening to a lot of churches. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He's talking about, talking about vigor and might. Early churches had convictions, they had standards, they had guidelines, and Jesus promised that not even the gates of hell shall prevail against the church. We should be taking the gospel, the gospel, look, look, look up here, look at it. This is not the gospel. This is the word of God. The gospel by definition, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. The world is lost. It needs to be saved. It doesn't need to learn Bible. It needs to be saved. Once you're saved, then you can learn what God wants you to. Amen. You understand? You understand? A lot of you, some of you may be here saying, I want to know more about the Bible. You're at a disadvantage because there's only so much that you're going to be able to get. I don't care how far in college you went or what it... 
it is spiritually discerned. It's spiritually understood. And without the Spirit of God in here, you're not going to be able to understand the Bible. That's why you go away scratching your head going, that doesn't make sense to me. Why does it have to be that way? When I go like this, it makes sense to me, and I, I understand why it has to be that way. You say, well, you've been at it long. Well, that's true. But the Bible says without the Spirit of God, you're none of His. And the Bible is spiritually discerned, so you cannot understand what God wants to teach you. Early churches had convictions. Most churches that I know of have fallen, gone by the wayside, and did so because of attacks from without. But you know why they died? They died from within. They died from within. Many churches have thrown to the side the word of God. Now, I have a question for you. Let me just reason here a little bit, okay? I get a lot of things off of my chest. If all of these so-called Bibles are the word of God, how come all of them are different? That's a good point, huh? If basically all that matters is the idea of what God is saying, then how come God in the Bible says, do not add to or take from my word? All the words of God are pure words. He said, I will preserve them unto all generations. So if they keep changing, what's this all about? Money. Do you know the New King James, maybe you have one of those, has over 35,000 changes, deletions, additions. Did you know that? It sounds like a, I, when I first got saved, my wife, she's signing back there. And she's the pretty one right there. Remember? And she said, um, I got her, I went to the church. This is what happens when you become a new Christian. You don't know what to do. You're doing the best you can. So I went to the, back then they had Bible bookstores. And I went there and I'm looking around. And the girl asked me, she said, can I help you? I said, yeah, I'm looking for a Bible. And she said, you know what kind? I said, King James. She said, would you like a new King James? Well, that's stupid. No, give me a worn out one. I said, yeah, I want a new one. They're, there's a, they're actually called New King James Bible. And it sounds good, right? It's, it's just a new one. I said, yeah, I'll take that one. So we're sitting in church, preachers preaching like crazy. My wife elbows me. She points at a word. I looked at hers, I looked at mine. I thought, typo. He's preaching along, he quotes another scripture. She elbows me again, which is what your wives do you when I'm preaching about how men should treat women. Yeah, yeah so you're all bruised on one side. So she points at another word. And I looked at hers, I looked at mine. I thought, typo. Come to find out, there were over 30 some thousand changes. But think of the deception by calling it New King James. Like it's like the King James, it's just better. You do not know this, but the NIV, not the HIV. By the way, that one's deadly, so be careful of that. The NIV, there is a story in there where they came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. These are deceptive things most people don't know, even Christians. They came down from there, and they had to cast demons out of this boy. Jesus came down, of course, cast him out, wanted to know what the problem was. So Jesus told him, and here he said, they asked, why could we not cast this demon? They just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Good night. They heard God talking, Jesus transformed, Moses, Elijah was there. I mean, it was a great day. They came back down to the bottom, and they couldn't cast a demon out of a boy. Jesus comes along and said, what's the problem? And the crowd told him. Jesus cast the demon out and then said, Here's your problem. Watch, 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 watch. If you have an NIV, check it out. He said, this kind, or what I just did, what's going on with this kid, goeth not forth but by prayer and fasting. 
the NIV leaves out fasting. Why? Why would it leave that out? Because you can pray about a lot of things. But if you really want to get serious with God, you start giving up things that has to do with your life, food, water, certain relationships, things like that. And God said, okay, I got my attention. So why did they leave it? Why would they leave that out? Well, in the original, nobody, none of these knuckleheads seen the original. They've all been gone for a long, long time. But the average guy don't know. I'm, I'm way off the subject right now. Listen carefully. No longer do most churches hold to strong convictions. Compromise is the way to go. Boy, if you want people in your church, you need to start compromising. Don't ever mention sodomy. Don't ever mention homosexuality. Don't ever mention age. Don't ever mention women's lip. Let me go on and on and on. If I haven't offended you yet, I will. That's not my purpose. I'm just trying to get truth. Separation is no longer an issue. Why? There is none. You ever notice when you first walk into church, here's something you do. You start looking around and see how people are dressed, how they're acting, right? So we have decided, we, churches in general, have decided to dress down so when you walk in, you'll feel comfortable. Can I ask you a question? I was raised poor. I never had a suit until I got last year. No. What's wrong with dressing down? I like it myself. He said, it chokes me. You don't know how to wear a tie, man. That's your problem. You're still trying to wear your 12-year-old your shirt in, in a 15-and-a-half-inch neck. I could help you with that. Is this going to make you a better Christian? No. Then why do it? See, that's our attitude. If it's not going to benefit me, why do it? Well, it may benefit him. Because when people walk in church, that guy up there in the sound room is not paying attention to me. That guy right up there came in here with, with, with I was going to say beautiful long hair, ugly long hair for a man. Hi, Matthias. Nobody said a word to him. Had earring. Real cute. Looked like belonged to his sister. Used to sit right up here. He loved the Lord. Fell in love with the place right off the bat. He never knew any different. One day he comes to him and says, I think I'm supposed to get a haircut. Nobody said a word to him. Now, why would he think that? Why would he think that? You ready? Because he kept doing this. I guess that's what they do here. Now, past that point, he's not worth a whole lot. Most churches allow worldly immoral activities to go unchallenged. They won't talk anything about it at all. Music, I, we were down in Ghana and we were on this nine and a half hour trip. So I'm talking to this guy here and he's telling me his background and some of the things he went through. He's been in Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, all kinds of Baptists, got in the charismatic, the charismatic movement going crazy down there. All work salvation. And he, I said, tell him, about your, tell him about your testimony. So he starts telling me. He said, I actually got so involved in music, they even called it, you ready for this? Ready? Holy hip-hop. See, if you put holy on there, it means okay. If you scream and yell and almost cuss and say, Jesus, that means it's a Christian song. No? Does anybody know what rap is? Go ahead, raise your hand. I do. Okay. Don't, oh, look at you. All you Christians going like this. I ain't raising my hand. You've heard it. It's nothing but cussing and repeating over and over again. Yes. It's just nothing but filthing. How can they say it's music and so I have no idea. Amen. Oh, it takes a lot of talent to do that. No, it doesn't. I could do it. 
I'm glad you're in church, and we need to be there. You're nothing without God. I, I could go on and on up. Boy, how talented am I? Let's walk this way. Right? Pants dripping. Got to talk like this whenever you talk. Right? Everybody wants to be an individual, and they're all acting the same. See, you're afraid even to amen when you know I'm right. Because you start thinking, yeah, why do they do that? They all talk this way. Like Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> holy hip-hop. I looked at him and started laughing. He goes, I know, I know. How did I? Finally, I said like this, holy hip-hop? Now, he's talking to the people running the church. He goes, holy hip-hop? His friend said, oh, yeah, this is great. You, you want to hear this. He said, it's hip-hop. No, 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 it's holy hip-hop. I said, he said, I know, I know. Yeah, I figured it out. I said, that's it. I've had it. How far is this going to go before we start saying, that can't be in Christianity. There's no way in the world. So this is what we're doing. Churches are in trouble. You could not look at the average professing Christian nowadays in most churches and distinguish them from people right out of the world. This doesn't make me better than you. Makes me better looking, but it doesn't make me better than you. Why are you so against coming before God Almighty in His? It's called the house of God. Amen. There was a time we had young girls coming in here in their pajamas. Then we told their parents, Mom, look, we can't do this. I thought you loved people over there. What makes difference how you're dressed? Well, they're comfortable. That's our attitude today. Yes, no? Churches are dying. There's a total breakdown of respect for authority towards God, towards preacher, towards moms and dads. And the fight that should be taking place outside the local church, a lot of it is taking place inside the local church. Churches are dying from within. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 3. For, are ye, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you, among you, talking about Christians, uh, envying, strife, and divisions, uh, are you not carnal and walk as men? Walk as unsafe. We're talking about Christians acting, behaving, looking, smelling like people out in the world. What, Folks, folks. What are we doing? Why did you become a Christian? It's like people join the military. They don't want to fight and defend America. We just want all the benefits. Hello. Romans chapter 8, verse number 6. For to be carnally minded is death. A carnal minded is a safe person acting, believing, and behaving like a lost person. God said, it's going to kill you spiritually. It'll kill you. This is what's happening to churches in America. Most churches, <laughs> years ago, anybody know what the Yellow Pages were? Yeah, most of you. What? A Yellow Page? Uh, yellow Pages was like a, a, a phone book that had businesses in it. Okay? They used to actually come by your house and drop it on your front porch. And so you get those, and a guy advertised it. It used to advertise your business in there. And one guy advertised in there, and he called his he called his business Arnold's Rug. And the guy called him back up and said, "You mean rugs?" He goes, "No, I only have one rug." He'd put that in the showroom when people would come by, and that's all he had. There was nothing in stock. He had nothing other than that. Do you know today how many times we hear people say? Preacher, we went online and saw your church and we looked at some of your preaching and some of the things you do there. Pretty interesting. And they'll say this, we did the same thing to another church 
and we went to go visit, it was nothing like what they advertised on their, on their uh, what is it? Website. Don't ask me, I don't even get on there. So what they're doing is false advertising. What they're saying is, look at us. Then you get inside, there's nothing in the storeroom. There's nothing for anybody to put their real faith and trust in. There's no real substance there. Many buildings still claim Baptist church. They don't even know how to spell Baptist anymore. By the way, what is the church around the corner? What does that mean? What, what is the leave your tread church? What does that mean? Yeah, that's for motorcycle guys. Oh, okay. I want a, this is the rich church. And all the rich people come there. It's crazy. My wife, many times, she, she's, a, she's a bargain hunter. She'll go to the store. And she'll go, that's why I don't go shopping with her. She'll see corn. And she'll move every can. Looking, perhaps, there's one that's been marked down lower than the rest of them. So I'm standing there. Honey, just get four cans. No, honey. Hold on a minute. Let me see what's going on. And she'll do that. And then she'll go to the beans and do the same thing. You know what I do? I'm a man. That's what I need. I'll buy it. How much it costs you? I don't care. I don't know. I want it. That's it. That's what I do. Not her. She'll go there. Everything just like that. So one day she walked in the store and there were no labels on any of the cans. I'm making this up. There were no labels on the cans. My wife went to the front desk and said, um, there are no labels on the cans. I'm looking for corn. And the person said, don't worry about it. It's all the same. Just pick one. You ever hear people say all Christianity is basically the same? Well, if you take off all the labels, that's the best you can guess, right? See, I like corn. I don't care for beans. I don't like anything that's green. Is it money? <laughs> but you don't eat that, right? So what happens here is this. They have something in the showcase. They still have a name. They still have a title. Once you get past the showroom, it resembles nothing of Bible Christianity. Let me close by saying this. Our nation is dying from within. Our churches are dying within. Our families are dying from within. I tend to believe a lot of young couples, in case you haven't noticed, we have a lot of them. They haven't been taught a lot, some of them by their own mom and dad. Many of them grew up without a dad. I did. Many of our people did. Many people in our Christian school did. So mom's doing the best that she can to raise kids. But there is a lack there. Uh, Abby grew up that way without a dad back there. Abby went to our school, graduated from our school, went to Bible college, got a teacher's degree there, came back here, taught for a while, and then married some bum here. And, and uh, Where's Jordan? Jordan's not listening. Jordan, I'm talking about you. Uh-huh, yeah, okay. He said amen. He didn't know what I said. God will make up for your lack. See, we get an attitude. I grew up without a dad. Most people do anymore. I didn't say it's right. I just said it happens. So you can either use that and look around. God made up for my lack. I grew up with a mom, uh, four sisters, one brother. Uh, we grew up in the streets. We didn't grow up in Christianity. My dad was a drunk. Uh, my mom and dad were divorced when I was 11, on and on and on. I could go with this terrific story. And you say, well, preacher, most people get bitter and they will not get over that. You know when all that changed for me? I went to Vietnam, become a junkie, fighting my way through life. You ought to hear my story someday. When I met Jesus. This didn't change. That's not what changed me. This is what changed me. 
And when this begins to change, this begins to change. And when you do, people go, you've, this next one, changed. What happens when you still keep going to church and people say, oh, that's this old Gary. I just pulled out a name. If your name's Gary, I don't even know who you are. That's this old Gary. Yeah, he goes to church on the weekend. Other than that, he's the same old guy. How's that possible? You were dead, now you're alive. You were a child of the devil, now you're a child of God. You're on your way to hell, now you're on your way to heaven. You were heading left, now you're going right, right? And how can you still be the same? How is that possible? So we've opened our doors to anybody and everybody and said, let me straighten you out on something else here too. I will not accept you for who you are. I will accept you for where you are. And then I'll help you get away from there and get closer. See, we have been taught, why won't you accept me for who I am? Because what you are is wrong. Well, I'll accept you where you're at. Actually, I'll even come out there and talk to you. But once I do that, I'm going to take you to where you need to be. Why would I want to leave you there? So this, this is the idea behind all. And churches are failing miserably in doing this anymore. And then our families, the same way, because of the shape of our country. It's not a black and white thing. It is a sin thing. It is a God thing. You understand that? It is a born again thing. It is a not going by the Bible thing. Black and white ain't got a thing to do with That's what's being used to destroy your nation. Ain't got a thing to do with it. Not a thing to do with it. Our nation is dying. Our churches are dying. Our families are dying because the shape of our country and the condition of our churches, our families must be a mess. I hold preachers responsible. God, they used to say that preachers were the conscience of America. We no longer tell America what God expects and why and what to do about it. We want to be nice guys and everybody like me. I would love that. But I wasn't taught that way. Over 60% of all marriages end in divorce. It should be higher than that if those living in sin, living together, would be married. And then it'd be a lot more than that. More than 17.8 million U.S. households moved in the past year. And they'll do it again. The percentage of runaways is escalating. Almost a million teens became pregnant every year. Every year. Where's mom and dad? 78% are planned. 56% give birth 30% and more. I never thought I'd see the day people actually marching down the street and saying, I have a right to kill a baby. And call it women's health. Youth violence is out of control. Dropout rate is skyrocketing. And those that are in school, look, they have dummied down the education system so that you can look a little smarter. It's not working. Teenagers are turning to the streets as prostitutes and pimps and punks and dealers and homosexuals and strippers and bar workers just to get away from home. I'm leaving. You don't have a job. So they'll get a job anyway. Like the prodigal son who went to a pig pen, a Jewish boy watching over pigs because he couldn't get a job anyplace else. But on the outside, parents project an image that all is well. Little Susie, she, she heads up her cheerleading squad. You ever seen what they wear? You know what people think of cheerleaders? Where you want your little debutante to be one? 
Look, I got people from public schools shaking their head yes right now while Christians are going, I don't know if that's true. It's true. Little Buford's the quarterback of the team. Little Jimmy's straight-A student in school. Parents exhibit, look at my kid. Look at, look at them. Do you know God never told us to raise good kids? We're supposed to be raising godly kids. Children, the Bible said, in chapter 106 of Psalms, I think, are in heritage of the Lord. They belong to him. We have no right to raise them the way that we want to. Parents exhibit their children like little trophies of achievement and excellence in a showcase when they know that their family is dying from within. Do you know when I normally find out? When dad or mom walks into my office brokenhearted because they finally found out what their children they feared were doing all the time. I had a parent tell me one time, preacher, I knew something was wrong. I knew it. I knew it. I was just hoping it wouldn't happen. You know what they say Austria does? Stick his head in the sand. He wants to see what's coming. See what's coming or not. An animal's after you. You're going to get killed. Shoot you on purpose or by accident. You still shot. Whether you planned it or didn't plan it, when your kids go bad, you talk about a hurt. You talk about a heartache that's hard to get over. Children that you have invested your life, your money, your soul, your prayers, your church, everything that God has taught you into them, and they walk away. And yet we try to put on like all is well. Tell me where are the homes where dad is the leader. Stop, 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 stop thinking that way. Ma'am, you're better than the leader of the home. You cannot get in a higher position than the position that God designed and made you for. You fell for liberal teaching and thinking. You're also probably running around with the wrong guys that beat you up, use you, and tell you what they want. And if you don't, that's not a man. That's not a man. I don't care what country you come from. That is not a man. Bible says, God said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for Ma'am, that doesn't mean you run things and get over on everybody. We're always out of balance, one way or the other, pendulum back and forth. God has a design, and the world needs to see that design, but it's hard to perform that when you don't have anything inside like God wants you to. Where's the mom that enjoys taking care? Well, around here, we have a school, and because dad has to earn a living, uh, most of our teachers are ladies because they can get along with nothing. And uh, so we do that. Then they decide to all of them get pregnant. Go figure. Not once or twice or three times or four times or five times. I'm thinking, when are we going to be able to use these ladies? Preacher, I'd teach, but I'm pregnant again. Uh, teacher, I'd love to help out church, but I'm pregnant again. And so you go, what'd you tell them? I went, that's wonderful. But preacher, what about the school? Here's what I tell them. You need to be and do what God told you to do. God will take care of that school and take care of this place. I have no right to tell you to do something God did not tell you to do. If God allows you to become pregnant, you'll find another teacher. God's always taking care of it, and I think he still will. As children grow older, their hearts and lives, who's turning them to God? We're more concerned about them getting a good job, getting a good education, everything that basically, look, I got to go home. Tell me where are the homes where God is the center of conversation? Where you talk about Sunday school class and the preaching, not the preacher, the preaching. 
Where's the Christ honoring music? You leave from here and go home. And your kids are going crazy. My kids are always on edge. I think they need some medicine to calm them down. No, they need some decent music to calm them down. Even King Saul, when he was going ballistic, thinking about killing people and everybody was after him, he said, we need somebody that can play skillfully. Skillfully, not... It is a proven fact that mom, while that little baby's inside of you, is already responding to you. Everything you hear and feel, everything. Children would rather go. What happened to this? Where children went to their parents for advice. Now we can't understand our parents. What happened to America's families? What happened to this? Christian families have to be forced. They have to force their children to serve God, go to church, go soul and get on a bus ride. I don't, I don't get it. Do you? Can somebody please explain this stuff to me? What happened to our Christian America? What happened to our churches in America? What happened to our families in America? And yet we still try to show that all is all right. By we, we, my kids read their Bible. You, you had to force feed it to them. I've been standing in line where parents tell their disobedient children. Couldn't believe it. I'll tell you a story real quick. <coughs> Husband and wife standing in line. Little Susie's in there throwing an ever-loving fit. Dad, the house mom, is holding this kid. He's grabbing on for everything he possibly can. And they always put those candy bars and stuff right along the cash register. You ever notice that? So she's, I don't want it, I don't want that. She's screaming and crying. And the cash register person's kind of rolling her eyes and trying to keep busy, you know. And, and Dad's looking at Mom like, I'm doing the best I can. And she's pulling his hair and climbing over his shoulders. And he's trying to look very patient and intelligent. You know how we do. <laughs> uh, look around like, I know what I'm doing. If she thinks I'm going to act like her, you're crazy. You won't believe this. Mom finally gets upset. She tells him, give me her and you go to the car. Talking to him. I'm standing back there going, this ought to be interesting. So I'm watching the whole thing. She tells him, give me the baby and you, wasn't the baby is like three years old, three or four years old. You go to the car and wait on me. Guess what he did? He gave her the baby and went to the car. Isn't that intelligent? Isn't that grown up? So then mom has her. She's doing the same thing with mom. Finally, guess what she says? Honey, if you behave, mommy will give you $2 when you get home. I'm not sure. Isn't that bribery? So when I become 16, you want me to be an 11? I want $100. No? When's it going to stop? We are setting ourselves up for failure. Are, are you here? You, you think I'm making this stuff up. I was there. Oh, I was in an airport one time, Dulles Airport over near D.C., and somebody had scheduled me for an eight-hour layover. And I'm standing there. So what you do, you watch people. People are hilarious. And you get a lot of good sermons out of them. So I'm sitting there, I'm watching this. And this mom's walking, and what caught my attention was, no, I don't want to. I, I don't want to. And I looked around, and this woman's dragging this kid. Then it dawns on her, whoops, people are watching me as a grown-up. So she puts her down and says, okay, mommy's going to leave without you. You make a bit of difference. Kids standing right in the middle of the causeway. I mean, people over here, people over here, people walking around looking at this kid like that. So mom gets a grand idea. I'm going to leave you. 
empty throat. So she actually walks off and hides behind a pillar. The kid's still screaming bloody murder. And these dear women walk by. I'm sorry, it just happened to be women. I'm not making this up. What's the matter, honey? Did you lose your mom? I'm interested. I want to see what's going to happen. So mom finally comes back, physically has to pick her up because she's going to be late for the airport. You said, preacher, what are you supposed to do? Well, you see, there's my wife right there. While they're still at home and infants and babies, you train up a child in the way they should go. You said, didn't your kids ever fight for stuff at the grocery store? I don't know. I didn't go shopping. Ask my wife. No, they didn't. One of them would hang on to the cart here. One would hang on to the cart here. One would sit in here with their legs in that little thing right there, the little jail cell right there. And the other one sat inside. And she would say this, don't let go. She'd go shopping. How do you do that? Were you waiting for them to become teenagers so you can logic with them? He said, preacher, how'd you do that? I beat the fire at them when we were home. Just like my mom taught me. I tell my kids, you broke the rules of the house. You know that, right? Yes, sir. Ready for that? Yes, sir. You got that? Yes, sir. Isn't that that antiquated? Oh, that's old-fashioned. Yeah, we still teach that. We teach it in our school, too, by the way. About 2,000 times a day. So I tell them, get upstairs. Yes, sir. We go upstairs. You're going to agree with me that you did wrong. Do you know what you did was wrong? Yes, sir. This is always the killer. Ready? What do you think I should do? They don't want to answer that. But they know they have to. Spank me. It's okay. Bend over. I'm not wrestling with you. You're not screaming bloody murder. When I spank you, you're going to cry. And when I think you've cried enough, you're going to stop. You're not (laughs) for next week. You're not doing that. I'm going to teach you there's a time to cry and hurt, and there's a time to knock it off. I can teach my dog amazing tricks. All young men want a dog, right? You know, dog is a reflection of your character. Do you know that? So if you're walking around with a little Pekingese, I'm just saying. <laughs> if you have a cat, it's even worse, but there we go. So, uh, Where was I in all this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We always had labs, black labs, wonderful labs. And I got where I could take a piece of food, sit on my dog's nose, and both of his eyes would be trained at the end of his nose. He's slobbering. Tongue is hanging out. And I said, stay. Ah, stay. Slobber. It's, it's starting to. And he's staring. At a piece of food right here, this close. Stay. Ah, stay. You can see him shaking. Adrenaline's flying. He's shaking. Stay. Get it. Oh. You can't train your children to sit still. They're called dumb animals. Oh, I'm sorry. Should we call them dumb children? The children are smarter than dogs, aren't they? So I can train my dog. Should I be able to train my children? Hmm. We're in trouble. Let me close, can I? By getting your family right. Helps your church to stay right. When churches are right, communities are better. 
back a few years ago, I think it was George Bush, came up, he thought it was a good idea. I think it was him. Let's do all of the social work that churches do. We'll make it government, and they will handle all this. It didn't work. Do you know why? They had no idea how much churches help in the communities. They come to find out, we can't do all this. But a piece at a time, they're trying. So the public schools are now teaching their children. You don't have to. And you don't have to pay your bills. The government will take care of it. And you don't need it. America's children are starving to death. Right. We're fatter now than we ever have been. But you bought into this. Folks, listen. We're dying. And here's a book that says that you may have life and have it more abundantly. America is dying. We keep saying, I think I'm doing okay. I think I'm doing okay. I'm not really that bad. We're dying. Just like that tree that was out here. Just like my wife's grandmother. We're dying from inside. We just don't want to admit it. We keep telling everybody how good we're still doing. Oh, we're not that bad. How, how bad is not? When the limb finally falls off and hits the ground and tens of thousands of ants are running. Oh, my goodness. Look at this problem. Why not do it now? Why not? If you're not saved, you need to get saved now. Amen. Your family needs you. God needs you. Your nation needs you. Not just to be nice people, but have God inside of you and set a right example and tell other people about Jesus Christ. And then you need to come to the Anchor Baptist Church so you can learn Bible. There's so many churches not teaching Bible anymore. They're teaching philosophy. Everybody goes, a guy told me the other day, I was in Kroger, and he come up to me, he said, oh, Pastor Bell, boy, I've been studying the Bible. I've been studying all about the end time, and I've been studying all about this word and all about working and all about dying and all about this. God didn't go to church. He's real taken with himself that he studied. Do you know what all that learning was supposed to be for? To help teach other people and reach the world. What are you doing? I'm supposed to meet with God. We should pray about this next Friday morning for breakfast. Uh, he is a top-notch financial guy, and I've been talking to him. And uh, so I called him the other day. I said, hey, won't you come to church Sunday morning? He said, preacher, I've got an appointment Sunday morning. I'm supposed to go to a birthday party on Sunday night. They don't work on Sunday. They're closed on Sunday. And I said, oh, okay. You won't believe this. He texted back and said, do you have church on Friday morning? Seriously, who has church on Friday morning? So I said, no, we don't. Hey, I got an idea. Why don't we meet for breakfast, and we'll talk about some of the things he said, that'd be great. Thank you very much. Educated. Financial guy. I mean, up there pretty good. You know what I'm going to do when we go out to eat? I'm going to talk to him about the Bible. But you know what I'm really going to talk to him about? His name's John. John, remember when I told you about the natural man, the carnal man, the spiritual man? Yeah, I remember that. I said, you're never going to understand the Bible He wants to learn Bible, but he's putting the cart before the horse. The tail's wagging the dog. If you're here just to learn Bible so that you can decide whether you want to get saved or not, it doesn't work that way. You're going to have to do this like everybody else. You're going to have to trust that that's what God said to do. Now, if you want to know where God said that and why he said that and why you need to be saved, I'll spend all day with you. So I wish you'd pray that he would get saved. 
likes me, which is ridiculous. He said he can't come to church though they're closed on Sunday. I'm expecting to get in here. I think people still want to know the truth. Maybe I'm wrong. I think people, will somebody just please tell me what the Bible says? Quit beating around about it. Just tell me what it says. Okay, I'm going to. Now, in case you think a lot of this was my opinion this morning, marriage, children, tithes, offerings, church, example, I can show you lots of Bible for it. I was out by my mailbox looking in my yard. This guy's walking down the street. And I caught him out of the corner. Now, when I'm working in my yard, that's my vacation. That's my work away from work. That's my break for what I do here. And I saw this guy, and I looked up, and I, in the middle of the day, I was hot, sweating. I said, look, hold, hold, hold. I don't want any solar panels. I'm not interested in them because they've been coming through our building. And the guy said, okay, I'm not selling them. <laughs> I said, oh, he said, I want to talk to you about your electric. We started talking. Come find out he was a Marine for six years. He's a Marine. I, by the way, I called him this week. He tried to get him to come to church today. And uh, we started talking. And before long, he's telling me how he went through a divorce, misses his little girl. He's got three other boys. Wife's not doing well. I mean, the guy just starts opening up. And I said, you know what your problem is? I wish somebody would tell me. So I started talking to him about the Lord, about church. No matter what he brought up, he kept going like this. Yeah, that's true. So then he said, I went to a Baptist church once. He was raised in Lutheran. Now, Lutheran is about as far as east is from west. And I said, he said, I was raised in a Lutheran church. I said, I would fall asleep in the parking lot before I ever got to the Lutheran inside. That's how boring they are. He said, well, I went to a Baptist church once. He said, they're loud screaming and yelling and everybody amening. And, and I said, uh, so you're a Marine? Oh, yes. I said, so they didn't yell at you in there? Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, they did. I said, you wanted it. You wanted to be a part of it. And so you understood that. He said, you know, it's a funny thing. I was a Lutheran all of my life. I can't tell you what sermon they preached. He said, I can tell you right now what that Baptist preacher was talking about one time. You know why? The truth shall make you free. Whether you like it or not, truth is what makes people free. Can I ask you something? Can you not see America's dying? Can't you see that? You can ignore it all you want to, but it's happening. I can see it better because I go from way back here and seen the change. You poor people that go to college, oh my goodness sakes. I don't know how you take it. I worked on the B-1 bomber one time as a government contract, you know, so they have to hire everybody and everything to work there. Oh, my soul. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was in Christian persecution. It was terrible. There was nothing you could say about it because if you did, they fired, a woman almost got me fired one time. It was coming up for review. You do that every year. You get two, four, six percent raise. And all of a sudden, she wants to act like she's a part of the team. Somebody made her the group leader. All along, she would sit there with her feet up on, rock back in her chair. Boy, this has been a tough day. She hadn't done anything. Nothing. But when it come time for the review, boy, did she go in and just, oh, I've been this and been that and been this and been that. And so they asked me one day, so uh, George, which is a guy you can't call that, 
George, what, what do you think about uh, women in leadership or women's living? What do you think about women doing this? And I said, you don't want to know. Oh, yeah, we do. We do. Well, no, no, come on. Won't you part of the conference? No, they don't. So finally I told him. She went into our manager and said some things that absolutely were not true. So he calls me in. This is a long time ago. He said, look, Belle, what would you say? I said, she asked me. I told her no. She asked me again. I told her no. I said, fine. I said, look, get political. Whether I agree with you or not, and I probably do, you can't talk that way on a government facility. You're being written up. They have a right to say what they think. You don't. You know that's true, no? You fellas, get yourself a big old black Bible, right? Get your brown bag, go to work. Walk in there and just say hi to everybody. See how long they'll put up with you even attempting to talk like a Christian. On your very liberal-minded job. Go ahead, just try it. I work for Owens, Illinois. It's a story about me. It's very interesting. Went to Owens, Illinois. Worked down there. And I walked in there. And even before I got there, they knew a preacher was coming. That's when I first started church. Got to be a janitor. And I walked in there, had my Bible, just like I told you, my brown bag. Walked over to this furnace where I was going to do my job. I put my Bible down, put my brown bag on top of there, turned around, putting on my gloves because you're working with hot glass. And this big woman bib overhauls, cigarette hanging around, had the armpits of her, of her shirt underneath her cut all the way down like this. She looked at me, she goes, so you're the preacher. I says, ma'am, heard you were coming. That's why I'm here. Yeah, we'll see. And she had tattoos. I have mom on my arm. She had dad. Uh, no, I'm kidding. And uh, so it's what we're doing. Understand, you are there for a reason. You don't have a job just to have a job. God gave you that job because there are people there that you need to witness to. Yeah. You're not just going to OSU. What are you doing? You think God wants you to go to OSU just to get a degree? God's got bigger plans than that. God put you there because there's people I'll never meet. So he put you there so that you can witness to them. Do you understand if they don't get saved, they're going to die and go to hell? Do you understand that? That's what's going to happen, folks. That's the reality of Christianity. God said, I need you to go talk to them. Our world's changing. Boy, it's changing. Families are changing. Sad. Talk to them all the time. He talks to them all the time. They're a mess. And they don't have any answers. It's so sad. Question. You going to add to that mess? Or change your family so that others can look at you and go, I wish I had what they have. What are you going to do? Look good out here. Are you saved? Let's pray. Father, 